0: Well, I have to tell you, it's been a day of backroom negotiations on Parliament Hill. It all stems from a dispute over the scope and makeup of a House of Commons committee to further investigate the We Charity Affair. Now, the Conservatives just about to introduce a motion to allow a special anti-corruption committee to probe the We Charity Affair and and other COVID-19 spending. Now, they have said they're willing to drop the anti-corruption corruption part of the title. Um, it, it has been a whirlwind past 24 hours of figuring out what this could lead to because the Trudeau Liberals have said that this is a confidence vote and it could lead to a snap election. Also, well, if you're wondering what the past 24 hours has sounded like, well, as I mentioned, the Prime Minister says this will be a test of confidence in his minority Liberal government and it could trigger an election.
1: We proposed a special committee, an extraordinary measure, so that parliamentarians can dig into all the spending that this government has put forward in exceptional circumstances to help Canadians through this COVID crisis. The Conservatives put forward uh, a motion that clearly outlines their lack of confidence in the government. The opposition is going to have to decide whether they want to make this minority parliament work or whether uh, they have lost confidence in the government.
0: Now the New Democrats have said that they won't allow a snap election over the weed charity issue, but the NDP leader did tell a news conference at his party still debating on how to counter the conservative motion to create this commission. We're looking at options, but I want to make Canadians absolutely clear that we are not going to give the Prime Minister the election he's looking for. We are going to continue to work for people. We're going to continue to fight for the things that people need, which is universal child care, pharmacare. The Bloc Québécois is planning to support the Conservatives, and even if the motion is defeated, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole saying that his party will keep asking tough questions about the Trudeau government's ethics and spending plans. So we will see how the vote goes today, and we will continue to work with, uh, with other parties to keep asking the questions. That is our job, to ask the questions, uh, hold the government to account. And the leader of the Green Party is saying that the Liberal and Conservative Party's high-stakes, high-tech game of chicken can have no winner. Now, it is important to note that confidence votes are generally bills like throne speeches and budgets, but the government has the prerogative to designate any vote it likes as a test of confidence, which is happening right now. All of this, my friends, is happening on the one-year anniversary of the Trudeau Liberals' return to government, but with only a minority of seats in the House of Commons. It has been a year of crisis and almost fitting that the anniversary would be marked by a confidence vote. Dr. Lydia Miljohn is a political science professor at the University of Windsor. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, you've been watching this and keeping an eye on it, like so many across the country. It's 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 been interesting to watch. I saw a headline today, an opinion piece that said Trudeau's willingness to opt for nuclear options to avoid awkward questions is troubling. Would you agree with that statement?
1: Well, I mean, uh, you know, I've been seeing a lot of analysis. It is troubling that he doesn't want the scrutiny that the opposition parties, especially the Bloc Québécois and the Conservatives, want to put on. Them, Um, He did play a high-risk game, and it looks like his gamble paid off insofar as that the NDP once again are backing the government and are choosing to not have this committee and instead um, try to find some other options, which aren't quite so clear what those options might be.
0: Dr. Miljohn, John, when you when you look at um, this uh, this team that has formed over the past year, almost between the Liberals and the NDP, why do you think that the NDP has been uh, so willing to work with with the Liberals? Well, in part because this is the best thing they
1: can do. They, You know, uh, they, they're the fourth party in the House of Commons. They have fewer seats than the Bloc Québécois. They know that the, the possibility of going into election could have them even fewer seats and really put them in jeopardy. But while mm-hmm. they prop up the government, they actually have a seat at the table. We saw that with the speech from the throne, that they were able to negotiate with the government and, you know, increase... Um, the funding for certain programs that they've found near and dear and they're arguing that you know if they continue with the government that they'll be able to you know provide those results for canadians so for them there's no the the gamble for them to go to an election is too great they could lose they could lose not only seats but it's obviously a very expensive proposition for them because we as we know they don't have the same kind of funding um, and backing behind them as do the other parties
0: I think there are some people who thought maybe that the we issue had played itself out um, with the departure of Bill Morneau, although the Conservatives have been adamant that they are going to continue to to dig and and look into uh, more of the the issues around what happened during all of this. I mean, it seems to me that Trudeau, that the Prime Minister has something to hide. Um, (laughs) I mean, why is it, you know, you have to wonder why? why it is that he's fighting back so hard on this.
1: Yeah, I think it's partly power. I mean, it it could be that there's more to see here. The thing about the the committee that the Conservatives are putting together is it wasn't just looking at the Wee scandal, though that was a Mm. a major focus of it. It was looking at all spending regarding COVID and just all these sort of sweetheart deals that the Liberals seem to be having with single-source providers and Mm. just the way in which they've had the speed of getting the money out the door. So I think that there certainly could be more to see here, the fact that the government doesn't want his family members being scrutinized I, mean, you could, I think you could argue it from both sides. Uh, in some respects, it, it, this might have played itself out had the government not made such a big deal out of it. Because, as you say, we—you we, know—really, is there that much more to know? We know all the people who have been harmed by this scandal, starting with Bill Marno, Marno, but also with the wee charity itself. It's closed up. And it's closed up shop in Canada. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's certainly—they have paid a huge price for this, and it does—it does make you wonder why they are so adamant to to avoid increased scrutiny, and it could just be uh, that they don't want the opposition parties to be able to chair a committee and have it stacked in their favor because it would make for um, them controlling the agenda rather than the government.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. And uh, yeah, it uh, it has been fascinating to to watch this kind of, uh, you know, tit for tat going, going back and forth. Um, do you think that the prime minister maybe looked at some of the public opinion polls and thought, well, I'm going to take a shot here. And, 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 and in case it does go, that the polling, maybe in Eastern Canada, uh, more so <laughs> certainly in Alberta, um, you know, it looks not bad for them. Oh, absolutely. I think that, uh, the, the, you know, you could tell that they really want an election first,
1: by the mere fact that they made this a confidence motion, very, completely unprecedented to have, you know, a committee be the reason to, to topple the government, yeah. and their logic was, you know, it was a bit hard to follow. Um, so obviously, the fact that they made it a confidence motion really signaled that this is what they wanted. The other thing is that signaled it is that they had no time for the NDP. You know, it was, for the throne speech they at least played at having some negotiations. Uh-huh. This time around, they weren't offering the NDP anything, so they are almost daring the NDP to vote vote against huh. them, and so Jagmeet Singh said, "No, I'm not going to play your game, and I'm not going to give you your election." Now no, that doesn't mean that the prime minister can't still go to Rideau Hall later today or even next week and say, "You know what? I just I'm just not feeling this. This government has a true mandate, and he could take the <laughs> risk, thinking that you know Canadians are going to judge him favorably for their handling of the of the COVID crisis, and he could try to get a majority. It certainly worked in New Brunswick. Um, uh, it certainly there's an election I think in Saskatchewan." and there's election in british columbia and in all cases the governing party seems to be doing very well with their reelection bid i mean bill um john horgan uh the ndp premier in british columbia has no problem going to the polls right now um where there was there was no vote of confidence he just decided that this was um opportunistic for him to try to get a majority
0: yeah, I mean, if you look at some of this pandemic polling and uh, the pandemic bump, as a lot of people are calling it, yeah, I mean, it could it could ensure that um, they get uh, back in power. I wonder though if that's such a great move by a federal government who's been who's been preaching, you know, stay at home, follow all the rules, all of these things, and then we're going to turn around and have a have a have a a, 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 a vote in the middle of a pandemic.
1: Yeah, I mean, it certainly could backfire as well, considering that you know, we would be at the polls, I'm thinking the beginning of December, end of November which, you know, most of the places in this country are not very pleasant places <laughs> no. to be schlepping through the polls. Maybe we could do a COVID test and a polling, you know, pass our ballot simultaneously. No, there, there's, even though it looks good to hit for him right now, four to six weeks in politics is an exceptionally long time, and those yes. those numbers could flip um, quite dramatically, especially when you start talking about real ballot box questions. And the fact is, you know, this is the anniversary of their of their minority mm-hmm. government victory, um, and it's still a year and counting where we haven't even had a budget from this government. So they would have to put some meat on the, the table. They'd have to tell Canadians what, in fact, is their priority uh, moving forward. How are they going to deal with uh, the financial situation? How are they going to deal with all those businesses and families that uh, no longer have work or going bankrupt and those are you know very serious questions that I think a lot of Canadians
0: would want to put to them yeah, Dr. Muljohn, if we take a look back over the past year, sometimes it feels like it's been five years or four years already, to be honest with you. Um, I, I actually, I, I thought uh, when I saw that, today, I'm like, what, really, only a year? Come on. But I mean, it has been, it has been a year full of crises. It, it started off, you take a look at uh, Ukrainian uh, International Airlines flight, the downing of that, what What has come out of that as far as getting answers for those families? We saw the pipeline protests uh, as well, COVID-19 consuming it all. And then We Charity, I mean, it has not been, uh, uh, well, I mean, there would be many that would say it hasn't been a stellar year for the Trudeau Liberals, but others who are believing that if nothing else, that they have handled the pandemic well. Your thoughts on the past year? Oh, geez. Um, yeah, <laughs> like yourself, I'm not sure how long. What, what is time anymore? It always seems
1: like know. the same day and nothing's happened, but everything's happened. Yeah, I mean, I think that the verdict is too early to determine uh, how the government handled the pandemic. I'm still very highly critical of their initial response, the fact that they were slow to close the borders. Um, I was very frustrated that, you know, when everything shut down, they were telling Canadians abroad to, you know, race on home. Fair enough, but they didn't impose quarantine on any of these people. Mm-hmm. They didn't do any contact tracing. I mean at the time where we really could have nipped this in the bud, they were saying, Oh, we don't want to be racist, we don't want to monitor people, we we wanna have this loosey goosey response and so for for their initial response I was very frustrated. You know, as time went on, the emergency benefits certainly was done well, but that's consensus across parties. I don't think if you had any other government, it would be that much different. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. just something we'd had to do. What do you do when you shut down the economy? You've got to give people something to to pay their bills. So I think that in the long term, we're really going to have to assess how the government did from mixed messaging to masks, to the borders, um, and then also on sort of their desire to to get these programs up and running so quickly that they didn't do due diligence on the number of key files, such as the We Charity.
0: So, do you think we charity in, in the end of all of this is just going to be a little blip on the screen um, as as we as we look back over over the over the past year? I mean, it seems you know SNC-Lavalin was was a pretty huge deal at the time, and, and you know there's there's not a lot of people that are even you know well they, not that they would be that or that they're not pulling that one out and saying hey look at this.
1: Yeah, I mean, these things are cumulative. So what, when we assess political parties, we don't, do, we don't sort of do our assessments on one big revelation. It's a cumulative thing. And so if the narrative continues, you know, one after the other ethics violations, and that's certainly what the opposition parties are saying. You know, they're saying this is a prime minister who's been found guilty twice of ethics violations. He's under investigation for a third time. I mean, that is a cumulative effect. So we don't necessarily remember all the details at SNC-Lavalin or the We Charity scandal, but our overall impression. Of the government may be tainted by this. I mean, I, I, I see and I understand that liberal supporters are still liberal supporters because they dislike the uh, the other parties um, more than they than they're concerned about their own political party. But the question is, you know, I, hate, I always hate pointing this out because I, as I said, I'm a former Albertan. But you know, really, what <laughs> it matters is in the seat-rich Ontario. What do people in the 416 and the 905 think about it? Because that's really where elections um, pivot in this country, and for a while there they were voting conservative with uh, Stephen Uh Harper. They switched to the Liberals with Justin Trudeau, and it really determines, you know, what really matters is how Aaron O'Toole is going to connect with those voters, and if he can get their trust, then that could mean um, troubles for the Liberals.
0: And before I let you go, I wanted to ask you uh, about Aaron O'Toole, his first couple of weeks uh, uh, in business here. What are your thoughts on on what he's done? I
1: think he's done fairly well. I think it's, it's unfortunate that um, he was initially sidelined um, due to his own diagnosis of COVID-19. Yeah. Though he recovered really quickly, which is which is quite uh, inspiring. That that turned out so well for him. But I think that he's on point. I think he is very um, in, in a lot of respects, he's quite likable. I think that his his biggest challenge is to get Canadians to know him. He doesn't get the same kind of attention as the Prime Minister. He doesn't have is not allowed sort of the daily updates and so he's not in people's faces as much. But when, you know, when I see him at the House of Commons, he has the right temperament. He's not, you know, overly hostile or aggressive. He's sort of this friendly face but his comments are pointed. So I think you know, as, as Canadians get to know him i think that there's a lot to warm up to and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he is able to uh, sort of make that acquaintance with the rest of canada
0: dr miljohn always great to speak with you always appreciate your perspective thanks for this my pleasure